Welcome to the Wiggly Podcast. I'm Heather from Wiggly Wigglers. And I'm Farmer Phil from The Farm. Excellent. So today we've got two little snippets of joy for you coming up. We've got Rhonda from Oregon, who's going to tell us all about carrots. Yeah, we've been to see um, the, her facility, which is Oregon State University, up on the uh, high desert up in eastern Oregon. Fascinating, wasn't it? Fantastic. And we've got Terry, who's going to give us a tip from Hay Festival of how to grow your veggies. Perfect. Here we go. First off is Rhonda. Okay, so we're in the truck with James and Michael, British farmers, and also Rhonda from the Central Oregon Agricultural Research Centre. Thank you for joining the Wiggly Podcast, Rhonda. Thank you. Um, Now, the thing is, for anyone who's buying their carrot seed in the garden centre anywhere in the world, you're responsible for it, almost. That 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 is correct. We produce about 80% of the world's carrot seed in Central Oregon. And that's about 60,000 acres of our production area. And so we are producing most of the hybrid seed in in the world. Why is this such a good place to grow carrot seed? Well, one of the benefits we have is that it's very cool in the evenings and very warm during the daytime. So our summer temperatures can fluctuate between four Celsius and 40. And so we get these really, really crisp nights where the plant can then get a a reprieve from the temperature. And then we have those really warm days where our bees can work pretty hard and and get the good pollination. And what's the actual process? When do you plant carrots and when do you harvest the seed? How does it work? So we plant in August. That's our seed-to-seed carrots. And then we harvest late September or early October. And we also bring in plants that are actually roots that have gone into cold storage in April. And so we can supplement some of our crop by putting in actual roots into the ground and getting the, and it's the exact same timing because it has gone through the vernalization period. And we will then harvest them all at the same time in August, I mean September. And for those of us who aren't sure about male and females and how all this works, we saw that there was four rows of female and two rows of male. Why and how does it all work? So the females are male sterile, so they do not produce pollen. And, the, and then the males, of course, are the pollen source. And the idea is to intersperse the male within the females, and then the bees will then distribute the pollen accordingly based on maturity of the umbel, which you know, throughout the season that there's a maturity from the top to the bottom. So we need to make sure that our males always have pollen available for the females. And so the timing issue has been pretty much perfected of what varieties will, will flower at the exact time the females are ready. And so how many bees do you have to bring in and are they all honey bees? They are. They are commercial honey bee producers that bring in bees and we bring in usually three hives per acre and so we have on average about 30 to 40,000 bees that we will bring into the area during the production time. Good lord, that's a lot of bees. It is a lot of bees. Starting July you will see trucks, big semis coming in in the evening to drop off bees and of course you know the beekeepers do most of their work at night because the bees are too cold to actually be foraging 
and so you'll see these big semis come in and, and guys working in the fields at you know midnight to one o'clock in the morning and putting bees out so and do bees actually like carrots I don't know if they dislike carrots, but it's a crop that is uh, hard to pollinate. And so we have really worked with an apiculturist to try to get foraging on certain fields to be precise, as opposed to the bees flying off trying to find different sources of pollen and nectar. How have you done that? We are working with a brood pheromone that was produced by a company, I believe, in Canada. And we put them, we put that actually in the hive, and that kind of tricks our worker bees into thinking that they have more babies to feed, and so they work a little harder and stay a little closer to home, um, as opposed to commuting a long ways. Beekeepers, do they make money out of the honey, or do they get paid for bringing their hives? We pay them a certain cost per hive to bring in the honeybees, and they're here for six weeks. So the nice thing about carrot and vegetable seed is that it gives the honey producers a kind of a filler between the fruit that's produced in the northern part of the Pacific Northwest and they stop here and are able to get a production crop off of us and then they head to California for other production in that area. And so once that's all sorted and the, the carrots have produced seed, how do you harvest that? How does it get into the packet? We, we actually swath the female carrots and then come in with a combine and, and harvest the seed and then it is sent to a seed cleaner and sized and packaged and sent off to companies here and then they're packaged in underneath their own labels. And you mentioned that home gardeners prefer bigger seed but give us the gen, is that any better? Actually bigger seed is not necessarily better the thing to look for is germination and also there are certain varieties that have high vigor. That probably is going to be by trial and error, the vigor uh, based on, on the type. But in general, it's you always want to look to see if they have a germination percentage. And are there different fashions in carrots around the world? Yes, there is. Certain communities like different kinds of structures on their carrots. Um, <laughs> It's quite funny because a lot of people think that carrots all look like the standard carrot structure. Like Bugs Bunny has. Exactly. And unfortunately, there are lots of different shapes. <laughs> some look like ice cream cones. Some look like pogo sticks. There's just a lot of different ways that carrots are produced. And, and certain communities and certain countries like a shape of carrots. And that's what we try to produce and to, to make them happy so and have you got a particular favorite carrot you know that you'd recommend I um, like the ones that are cut and peeled and ready for me to eat <laughs> <laughs> well in the frozen department of actually the <laughs> fresh you know so it's nice because I don't have to do much work <laughs> I love the, it it's the long days it's now, long days of being in the field <laughs> now before we leave this podcast I'd just like you to tell our listeners which is your favorite podcast because they're going to think this is so fantastic I actually listen to the Archers. Oh, I know, so isn't fantastic. that funny? And that's based in Worcestershire, which is the county next door to Herefordshire. So thank you very that's much funny. for that. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Rhonda. Fantastic. How are you getting on in Oregon, Farmer Phil? Well, it's big, isn't it? It's very big. There's an awful lot of sky. There's a lot of sky. And the scenery is unbelievable. 
We drove over the Cascade Mountain Range yesterday, over a pass in between all the volcanoes, and coming down this side, the western side of the Cascades, it's all woods and streams and creeks, and just amazing, isn't it? And the cherry tree farm was very interesting. That's an awful lot of cherries, though, isn't it? How many? He grows 2,200 acres of cherries. And they're all fresh, and they use bees that then go to Rhonda's, as you heard, Rhonda's bees land after the cherry tree man's bees to pollinate the trees, and he processes all the cherries into boxes, and he has 12 different sorts of box of cherry, which goes basically all over the world. And the most difficult place for him to get his cherries into is California, the very next state. 26 different countries as the first destination for his cherries, and from some of them, particularly the European ones, they then go to a load of others. I reckon that's a fair spread of marketing, isn't it? It's a slight madness, though. I felt a slight, complete madness watching somebody so carefully grow cherries, harvest cherries, wash cherries, pipe cherries down a system, bag cherries, box cherries, packet cherries, when actually... If you want to solve the problem of freighting cherries through the air all over the world, my suggestion is... Grow your own. Cherry tree. (laughs) Terry, over to you on Grow Your Own. I've got Terry with me again for the Terry tip. Now, how are we going to keep our weeds at bay? Because our plants need to thrive and those weeds keep taking over Terry. Well, weeds come naturally. I mean, even in the most pristine area... You think, where have these weed seeds come? And if you've got a few dry days and then a drop of rain, overnight you have a green oasis of weeds. And that is the time to attack them. Wait for the noonday sun. Put the Panama hat on, put the shorts on, get the hoe out of the shed, and then you just go through and then very cruelly sever the root from the green. And in the hot afternoon sun, these shrivel up. Occasionally you have to drop your knees. Because <laughs> 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 some of these actually create themselves right up close to the ceilings and you're a bit dangerous going a bit close to the hole. So you have the old finger and thumb and just ease these out. And again, don't bother take them away, leave them on the ground and let them shrivel in the noonday sun. What about using um, a friend of mine's got a, a hot air blowery thing, a, a, a fiery thing that he goes down the paths and he, he blows fire out of this tube. Oh, you got one of these sort of um, butane type uh, yeah. things. Yeah, but that's okay if you've got a, an area which is brick or stone. Yeah. You can take them between the seed, but don't go near your seedlings. No. You can't distinguish between <laughs> friend or foe, and every time you're at the friend. Yeah. Do you spend your life weeding then, or do you just get yes. them when they're early on? No, I, I tack them early on, but once a week at least, the plot is weeded from top to bottom, because... Yeah. They come when they least expect. And despite the severing, there are some tough old weeds out there who will pop their head in. And again, you occasionally get the dandelion or you get the dock, and that is a real battle. You've got to get down and get that root out. Because even if you sever it, that'll continue to grow. All the animal weeds, once severed, shrivel dead. And seriously, what are you going to do about kutch grass? Kutch grass isn't a isn't problem. Kutch grass is something which you get mostly on virgin soil or near a field or near a path. And again, once those roots are in, that, that and bindweed are the two banes of your life. Because if you don't get the whole root out, then you have no chance of beating it. You've got to get every scrap of that root out. And that's vigilance, vigilance, vigilance. 
You're a tough man, Terry. Terry. You have to, on, on your enemies, you have to be tough. Absolutely Every right. gardener's got a sweet nature, but now and again, the toughness comes out. Ideal. There we are. So, from an early start in Oregon, it, we've just seen, just a minute, I'll, I'll take you to the window, dear listener, and see what's happening outside Days In. I thought so. Allied Waste Services have just come to take away, presumably, all the... Cherry pips. <laughs> no, it's the all the uh, breakfast bowls. Oh, We've yeah. just ate our breakfast in paper and plastic plates. <laughs> Wasn't great, was it? I've never done that, except the last time we were in the US of A, in fact. <laughs> anyway... That's not to say we're having a great time. The hospitality has been fantastic, hasn't it? And we've had tons of meat. And I've seen a lot of grass. Yes, well, actually, I should say, dear listener, we're going to look at lots of grass today because we are, in fact, on the grass seed tour of Oregon. Yippee. Bye from me. Bye from me. If you'd like more Wiggly information, go to the website www.wigglywigglers.co. UK. Got a lovely new homepage and there's a competition. If you're listening to this in June 2011, pop along because you can win a whole year's full of bird food if you're in the UK. Thanks so much. Bye bye.